Riding downtown in New York City. I know you wanna be there. I bring you with me. This is what I'm Welcome to Dare to Rise. I'm your host, Nicole, along with my partner in crime. Hi, I'm Tina Kay. We're so excited to have you guys with us again this episode. Um, how have you been doing? Oh, Nicole, it's been um Gosh, a busy, busy month, I think, since we've last talked. I got a dog, a puppy, so I got a new fur baby. What's and the dog's name? Dash. Cute. Yeah, he's he's dressed to impress. He's black and white. He looks like he's dressed in a tuxedo. Aww. He's very handsome. Um, it's like having a baby. Yeah, lots of lots of work keeping you busy. Yeah, not a lot of sleep, but it's okay because he's so cute. What have you been up to? So the last couple of weeks since we last met on our last episode, um, my I'm a community member for a coalition, Communities That Care, Fremont Five. We've been doing a family dinner night drive for families in our community that are um, having some hard times right now with everything going on with the pandemic and just families that need some extra love. So we did a dinner drive for our families, for our local elementary schools, and we donated over 50 meals to our local elementary schools. So that was a really um, neat a neat thing that we got to do together. Um, the coalition is new and we're still learning and growing, but it's been really exciting to give back to the community and especially to my kids' school. So that was what I've been up to is just working yeah. with the coalition and then coaching my son's soccer team, which is always super fun. But yeah, just lots of stuff, keeping busy and thriving and surviving in 2020. That's right. <laughs> Very good. Well, I love the fact that you are involved in that community outreach and supporting your community. And who doesn't love a spaghetti dinner? Oh, right. No, thank <laughs> you. No, community engagement something really close to my heart. And that's why our next game changer on our podcast, who I think is super amazing. She's a super woman. Um, our guest today is Stacy Burnell, and I'm so, we're both super excited to have her on the podcast. Um, Stacy is a change instigator, TEDx speaker, author, and coach at C. Stacy Speak LLC. She graduated summa cum laude from Weber State University. I have to give a round of applause for her <laughs> real quick on that. That's awesome with a BA in public relations and advertising and was named the 2013 outstanding graduate for her major. She proudly serves on the Weber State University Alumni Association Board of Directors and Ogden City Diversity Commission. She is the founder of Awesome Autistic Ogden, and on, which is an autism appreciation event turned into a community resource and as well as a 501c3 nonprofit Burnell Badassery Foundation. <laughs> yeah, Stacy lives happily with her family and fur babies near the mountain where she enjoys all the amazing outdoor recreation Ogden, Utah has to offer, like mountain biking, running marathons, triathlons, relay races, and ultra marathons. She loves to travel and looks forward to many great adventures all over the world. Welcome, Stacey Burnell, to the podcast. Yay. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you so much, Stacey. How has your week been? What have you been doing? Oh, this week. I Well, my husband has been out of town. So I've been playing the single mama role this week, which I did that many years ago. And I don't necessarily love it. But uh, <laughs> um, And our wash machine went out yesterday. So, you know, just... 2020, right? Just chalking it up. That's fine. Mm. fine. But yeah, it's good. My kids are good. My fur babies are good. We're all happy and healthy. So yeah. how many fur babies do you have? I have 
well, I have two. I have a cat and a dog. My dog is, his name is Mr. T oh. and he is, he is a 14 year old pug Wawa and he is, he's having a rough time getting around these days, oh. but yeah. And then I've got a cat who is four and we have a squirrel that lives in our backyard. So he is also an honorary <laughs> for, for a baby. We call him Earl the squirrel and he lives in a tree in our backyard. Oh, I love that. Now, Stacy, we're again, super excited to have you on. Just to start off, I want to know, and I think our listeners would love to know, how did you become a badass? <laughs> how did I become a badass? Well, it was a, it was a journey, but really it started, uh, and everything kind of started with my running journey. Mm -hmm. I, uh, it, in 2008, I ran the, a relay portion of the Ogden marathon. So I ran the first seven miles of the 26.2 mile race. And, uh, the next year I decided I was going to come back and do the whole thing. And man, once I crossed the finish line of a marathon, like it was kind of like, all right, what next? And from there, I, I, you know, went back to college. I graduated at 36 years old. I just kind of, I went from kind of being at this rock bottom in my life to now I'm running marathons and I'm doing triathlons and ultra marathon. And, uh, and along the way, you know, you'd post a picture on social media and people would be like, that's so badass. You're such a badass. And I was like, okay, <laughs> so there you go. That's how it happened. <laughs> you start doing badass things and then you call yourself badass. So Stacy, we have your book here and I noticed that you have all the great things, <laughs> Dana. Um, so we're so proud to have you on here. So the books, the, the things that we don't talk about, can you tell us a little bit about that and your journey towards writing it? Yeah. And it actually coincided with me discovering that I wanted to do speaking as, um, as a career path too. So I, I come from a kind of a long history in the real estate industry, actually. And uh, most recently, I was a, a rep for a home warranty company. So I did presentations all the time, but it was selling my company's home warranty product. And I had an opportunity in 2017 to do a presentation. And they were like, you know, not this isn't about your company or, 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 real estate stuff. We just want you to get up and share kind of a, motiv a motivational message. And I decided this would be a great opportunity to get up and share my story. I called it failure to finisher and, you know, kind of talked about how running my marathon, running my first marathon changed my life because up to that point I was three times divorced. I was a three-time college dropout. I was, um, I had lost custody of my daughter and then my son who was three at the time had gotten diagnosed with autism. And so you know, referencing that rock bottom, that was kind of it. So anyway, I shared this story. And after I did that, I just uh, I actually had a guy in the audience and he came up to me and he was like, you should write a book. And I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but uh, I, I was like, well, why not? So I just kind of started writing here and there. Uh, you know, something would happen, and I would be kind of inspired. And, and I would I was writing different stories, but not with the intent that it would ever be a book. It was just kind of an outlet. Mm. And, um, and then I just decided, well, why not? Because as a speaker, that's something that other speakers will tell you is build your platform. And a great way to build your platform is to write a book. So uh, I figured, well, I'm, I'm, I'm already writing these stories and I'm putting them out to the universe. So I'm just going to put them all together and tie them up really pretty with a bow and 
put it out into the world. So that is how the book came to be. That's awesome. You know, vulnerability, one thing I learned early in my leadership career is vulnerability is a sign of strength, not weakness. And so how did that feel the first time that you shared your story to be so vulnerable? It was terrifying. In fact, as I was getting ready to do that presentation, uh, part of my story is that I, I placed a baby for adoption when I was 17. Um, and, and I did not publicly share that. It was not something I talked about. And I was sharing that in this presentation I was doing. And I actually had a friend and I had kind of done, I was telling him, I'm doing this presentation and I'm going to share my adoption story. And he said, I don't think you should do that. He's like, Who are, who's your audience? And I said, oh, it's people that I market. And he's like, so you're trying to get their business? And I said, well, ultimately, yeah, I am trying to get their business. He's like, do not share that story with them because it will hurt you. And, and yeah, I, I, you know, I appreciated where he was coming from and I I think he made a valid point, but I thought if I'm going to get up and share some of my story and talk about some of the hardships I've overcome, I'm, I'm, that's a big part of the story. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to share it. And it was the complete opposite where, you know, I felt like I'm going to get up in this, I was in Brigham. So I was in this conservative community. I'm going to get up and share this part of myself. And instead I had people that came up to me afterwards and they were like, Oh, like, well, wait, I actually got pregnant when I was 15 and, but now we've been married for 50 years. And so people were now opening up and telling me their own things and their own pasts. And uh, so it actually created these connections. And I think it probably did help my business a little bit too. So, you know, side effect, but, um, yeah, it, it was such a refreshing experience to realize I could be authentic. I could be vulnerable and that people embraced me for that, that it wasn't, you know, I wasn't being judged. Um, it was, yeah, it was actually a really good experience. So Mm -hmm. that definitely helped me kind of get brave and, and start, you know, testing the waters. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, because when we start sharing our stories, we, it's a better way to support each other because of the secrets that we keep, that we don't feel comfortable. And yet there's so many people out there that you've touched with your story, with your book, with your TEDx. We haven't even talked about TEDx. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us about um, your journey to TEDx. That's an accomplishment. Huge. That, it's awesome. That was a journey. So, you know, the funny thing is life happens the way it's supposed to happen. And I do reference at the end of my TEDx, I actually talk about how, you know, the first time they held TEDx Ogden was in 2017 and I applied and I was like, so excited, like, this is going to change my life. And I got rejected. And in 2018, I applied again and I got rejected. Same thing in 2019, but my my stories, what I would have shared those years, they were, it was completely different than what I ended up sharing this year. And I just thought, you know, this, this time and this space was when I was meant to be on that TEDx stage. And when my story and this particular story was meant to be shared. So yes, it was a four year journey. (laughs) And with the pandemic, I was, I was really afraid it wasn't going to happen because Originally, it was supposed to be in June, and then they postponed it to August. 
And I don't think I breathed from June to August. I was like, just holding my breath, like, because ah. if, they, if they canceled it, I was like, that would be the thing that put me over the edge, right? Like that would be the thing that like, that's how Stacy lost her mind. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I, I'm so glad it happened and it was amazing. It oh, was, absolutely. Yeah. When, when Tina and I were talking about who our next guest was going to be. And she told me you did a TEDx Ogden talk. I immediately looked it up and I immediately connected with your story. It was so inspiring, so relatable. um, And I just loved your vulnerability. It was so authentic. And it's interesting that, again, good criticism in a way that your coworker was giving you, telling you not to share your story. But like what Tina's saying, sharing is how we connect with one another and we feel like being our authentic self, it's okay. It's okay if we're not perfect. We in this world have this false sense that you always have to be perfect. Or if people know things about you, they won't be your friend. They're not going to support you and love you. And that's totally the opposite. When we start just being vulnerable with one another and just be our true selves, that's really where you have those real deep connections. And, um, I have to ask you, so getting up on that stage, like, were you nervous? Was there fear? Or were you just like, I'm telling my truth and I don't care who hears it? Oh, girl. (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't know that I've ever been so nervous in all my life. And neither have I ever worked so hard for a presentation. Because I mean, I do speeches and presentations all the time. I've never completely memorized something and rehearsed something as much as I did TEDx. I mean, I recorded it on my phone. I was listening to it while I was driving, while I was running, while I was showering, like every, for like a month straight, every waking hour was living, breathing, sleeping that TEDx talk. Like I was dreaming it. I was waking up thinking about it at four o'clock in the morning. Um, we got to have a, a dress rehearsal the Friday night before. And so we literally like all, all of us speakers, we were in our outfits that we were going to wear that night. We were, we did the whole run through as if it was the night of the event. So when we did that, that was very helpful to kind of get help with the nerves because we had, you know, we had the mic and we, we knew how everything was going to go, but man, the night of, and to have people in the theater and they, you know, it was, it's an 800 seat capacity, but they only sold like 300 tickets. So people could be socially distanced, but it's still, for me, it was like, I felt like I was in front of a a million people. It was still so great to have people out in the audience. And, um, I had to sit backstage and, and, you know, there's another speaker that I'm waiting for and he's doing his thing. And I'm just like in this Zen spot of like, (laughs) be in the moment, Stacy, just be in the moment and enjoy this moment because, I knew I'm like, I'm going to go out there and it's going to fly by and then it's going to be over. So just like, even though you're so nervous and you're about to pee your pants, just be in the moment. And yeah, it was awesome. Well, I have to say as a follower um, of your journey and I watched TEDx that night live from my house. um, When you stood in the red circle, I started crying. And I'm sure that's how your audience has felt. Um, so tell us, um, how, tell us about, um, what you learned about yourself that maybe would be beneficial for our listeners to know maybe how they could apply some challenges to their life and to overcome it. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that I really want people to know that they're truly capable of so much greatness. We, I think we have all these limiting self-beliefs and we have this idea that we compare ourselves. We're, we're way too much in this social media world. And I'm guilty of it too, of, you know, seeing other people's successes and feeling like I will never be able to do X, Y, Z. I will never be whatever it is that we think we can't do or be. And, you know, 10 years ago, I was barely making it. I, you know, was so broke that I, I couldn't see straight. I was a single mom trying to get through school. And I was just feeling like that, that sense of nobody, which is, you know, why my talk is, is confessions of recovering nobody, because I spent years in that place of feeling like I could be gone tomorrow and it wouldn't matter. My life is so insignificant. No one would even care. Cause I'm, I, that's how I felt like I'm a nobody. And it wasn't even, I don't know. It was like little things that just would happen and I would do things. And it was like, when I started getting involved in the community, when I started um, volunteering and, and, and running and, you know, getting involved with nonprofits and causes and things bigger than myself. I think that was a big part of it. But like you said, the being vulnerable and connecting, because I think those thoughts kept me feeling so disconnected from other people. Cause I just felt like I'm, I'm a bad person. I've done bad things, bad things have happened to me. And you know, getting those blinders off and seeing that we all, we all have our stuff. We all have gone through our things. And, and unless we talk about it and um, get that stuff out in the open, we never truly know what people have gone through. So I just, man, I want people to know like whatever has happened in the past or wherever, whatever struggles you have right now, like they're not, they're not permanent. They're not forever. And if you decide that you want something you can, I am a huge believer in the power of manifesting and, and making those things come true because I had TEDx on my vision board, like I said, <laughs> for four years. So you've got the power to create the change. No, it sounds like you didn't let those labels or those, I guess what we consider negative things in our life or our past keep you in a box. You broke through that box and you're like, I'm not going to let these things hold me back from living my true, my true potential. And you push through that. I, that's really, I think so amazing. Um, would you say through all of that, is that where you found your voice or did you find your voice and it just kept growing through every, every obstacle that you kept coming, you kept overcoming? I continue to find my voice. And I think that's the coolest thing about it is that it's, it, like I said it in my Ted talk, like this is a journey I'm on for the rest of my life because, you know, even as I, so 2009 was my first marathon, 2010 was when I went back to college. And these were these little things I was doing bit by bit. And then, you know, graduating in 2013 and then, you know, the next it's like, okay, what next, what next? And it was every time I was getting into something new and, and getting, thinking outside of the box and, and, and getting to a point where, so with awesome autistic Ogden, for example, in 2018, I saw that a bunch of our neighbor neighboring cities were doing autism awareness walks, but there was nothing in Ogden. So there was Salt Lake and Logan and Provo. And I'm like, why isn't there one in Ogden? And I was, you know, searching and researching and looking on Facebook and looking on Google and someone said to me, why don't you do one? And I was like, oh, 
oh, I, I mean, I guess I could. And so it was like, I was waiting for someone to give me some sort of permission to do this thing. Um, but yeah, so I put it out on Facebook and was like, hey, anyone who wants to show up on, you know, August or April 2nd, we're going to walk around. And it was like 20 people showed up. It was very, very like small, but 20 people showed up and we walked around 25th street and we were like, yay, like for autism. But then coming into 2019, then we had a, a much bigger event. We had like a 300 person event up at Weber state. And it was little things like that, that I just, okay, no one else is doing it. So why can't I? And I think when we can give ourselves permission, go for it. Why not? No, Why not? Absolutely. Like four second happen is like, you know, like someone tells you no, but yeah, yeah. go big. You just dare to rise and you keep going. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, it's so relatable to what you're saying is that's really how dare to rise was. I forever kept sitting there thinking, oh, someone's going to create a platform like what I'm envisioning in my mind. I... I'll wait for somebody else, or maybe somebody will invite me on or something, just waiting for somebody else to do it. And exactly what you said, it, I finally got to a point where it was like, well, why don't I just, why don't, why not me? <laughs> like, let's yes. do this. And I called Tina and I pitched my idea thinking she might say no, to be honest. And then she was actually super excited. <laughs> and it was like, this is what I want. This is what I envision. Let's, let's do this not letting me like my self doubt or my lack of confidence or lack of experience keep it keeping us from not making this happen. So I totally can relate to that on a real, a real level. Um, so through everything that you've been doing and you continue to do, um, I, I want to know more about how would you, or why do you think it's important for people to get involved in their community and why was it important for you to get involved in the community? Yeah, so obviously, uh, being the mom of an autistic child, we have had some challenges. And that's why I was really passionate about creating this event and this space where other, um, and not just autism, but other um, disabled and special needs families could have kind of this safe haven and um, be connected to resources. So that was kind of my starting point for it. And then I was also getting involved in um, like the chamber and women in business. And I honestly, I was showing up into a lot of spaces and I was looking around and I was not seeing a lot of women and I was not seeing a lot of representation as far as um, people of color or LGBTQ diversity, period. Just, you know, not a lot of it. And that really prompted me to want to get involved with the diversity commission and then from there, it's um, just kind of gone out. And now it's like, I have lots of big ideas, but we're also in the middle of a pandemic. So how do we um, start these, these changes? And we know that we also have some other um, issues going on right now. Um, but I think the biggest way that we are going to start impacting change is doing it on a local level. So, you know, if, if we want to see more diversity in places. It's going to start in in our cities and our towns and our our school boards um, on these kind of macro levels, and we, we you know we shake things up. No, I love that. So you mentioning the diversity commission and representation and why that's so important. Um, I want to ask you and to share with our listeners, why do you feel that diversity is important and what are the benefits of people having more diversity in their 
workspaces, their community, their social circle even? Why is diversity something we should all be striving for or being more mindful of? Yeah. Diversity and representation matter because the people making decisions, um, if it's if it's the status quo, if it's the same old, same old, they are not speaking for everyone in the community. And particularly, so in Ogden, we have about a 35 to 40% Hispanic demographic. And we don't see that. We don't see that in our city and county leadership. We don't see it on our school boards. Um, and, and why is that? And how do you create spaces where our marginalized voices feel like they have a place there. I was um, on a Zoom the other day. Weaver State was doing their diversity conference this year, and they were talking about how uh, the Black students at Weber State have the um, lowest, uh, I can't remember how they worded it, but basically the Black students are the ones who end up not graduating compared to their white counterparts. And so the, the question was, why is that? And what questions do we need to be asking to, to help these students? You know, is it that there's microaggressions? Is it that um, they don't see themselves there? They're, they're uncomfortable. There's a, there's a lot of reasons, but that's why we have to create the changes because, you know, I did a presentation last year for um, the Multicultural Youth Conference. It was like Davis Weber, Box, Box Elder Counties, and it was very diverse. It was these kids, you know, kids of all backgrounds, high school kids. And I asked them, what's important to you and, and what do you want to do to create change? And I had a, a whiteboard, a white sheet of paper up on the wall, and I had them come up and write things. And these teenagers, these juniors and seniors were coming up and saying, like, I want to see people who look like me on the Ogden school board. I want, you know, I want to see more women in leadership. And I'm like, hell yes. Like, yes, this is what you guys need to be doing this. You need to be the change. And I said it in my TED talk that and it's a quote, I, and I, I can't remember who the woman is who said it, but children cannot be what they cannot see. And I think that's a big part of it. So I know for me, you know, if I show up in a, in a, in a organization or a board and it's a whole bunch of old white men, I notice, and I, I'm sure they notice that, you know, you know, one of these things is not like the other and it's, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it matters. And, you know, as far as, like companies and organizations go, there's a ton of research that says diversity makes you, you know, your businesses are more profitable and um, women led businesses tend to make more money. And just, there's a whole bunch of research why you should promote diversity and why it's important. But yeah. I love that. No, I love that. So for our listeners that are tuning in and everything, what would you recommend if they do want to get involved or where do, where do they start if they do want to get more involved and active in our local community? Yeah. And I, there's not a shortage of places to start getting involved. So it could even be that you join your students um, PTA, get involved at the school. If that's something, you know, if it's that you're a mom and you're just like, Hey, where could I start? That's a great place, but you could just find, um, we have so many nonprofits in the community, so many, and they always need help. And it's, you know, it can even be helping with a fundraiser or helping with, there's a ton a ton of different things. And mo a lot of them are, you know, they're helping underserved people in the community. So that's how you start diversifying is, is getting out and getting into the communities where not everyone looks like you or speaks the same language as you. Um, 
that's, you know, people are like, well, how do I find people of color? Where are they? You know, they're, they're here. They're, they're, you don't, they're not hiding under rocks. So we're here. We are. <laughs> I know. I promise just get out and start getting involved. And yeah, so I would say definitely, um, and organizations that you can serve on if there's, um, volunteer opportunities, there's always places, always places that have needs for people. No. Um, I love that Stacy. Um, so just you talking about, cause you are a person of color and you're a woman when you are in those spaces, um, how did, how does that, how do you feel? Like you were saying, um, one thing, oh, I'm, help me here. You were like, one thing doesn't fit here or the other. I can't remember how you worded it. But yeah. when you are in those spaces, um, it, is that intimidating for you or is it like, no, damn it. I belong here. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because, you know, like you said about finding my voice. So this was one of the issues where I kind of found my voice and still finding my voice because, uh, even even in the real estate industry, I think for a long time it felt like it was male dominated. And in my my last position, most of the other, most of my competitors were men, um, and I had so many. I had dealt with sexism all the time, and even some like weird racist comments, like just being very uncomfortable in certain settings. But I told my husband I'd come home from work from different events, and I'd be like, I was the only person in the room today. I was the only non-white person in the room today. And he's like, it can't really be like that. And I would, so I would start showing up at events that I would look and I would like text my husband and be like, you know, here I am again, the only non-white person in the room. And then he, we'd start going out and then he would notice it. And he'd be like, yeah, you're right. Like, and he's, I mean, he's a quarter Mexican, but he's pretty much a white guy. And so <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah. And so when you have this new lens, when you have this new perspective, you start seeing it. And I, you know, for a while it's like, do I say anything? Like, does it matter? And I was involved in, in one um, committee where I decided I am going to say something because I, I think it's important because I'm, I was serving um, on a board and there were, it was me and one other woman of color and everyone else was white. And I just said something to the effect of, we need more diversity in our speakers because we had had a bunch of white women. And even we did a diversity conference and it was one gay black man and everyone else was white. And so I, I, in my mind, everyone had to see that that was a problem, right? Like everyone sees that there's not really a lot of diversity there. And so when I brought it up, I thought everyone was going to be like, yeah, Stacy, you're right. Like, yeah, we should work on that. And instead they were like, well, what do you mean? It was like, it was, people got defensive and people didn't say anything but then outside of the meeting, I had like a handful of women that came up to me and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Like we do need to, and I'm like, why didn't you say that at the table? Like, why didn't you back me up? So it's been very interesting to, to see how people kind of get squeamish and uncomfortable when you, when you bring that up. And even like with TEDx, I, I made a comment to someone and I said, you know, even look at the speaker lineup of TEDx. I was the only non-white speaker. And like the person I said this to was like mind blown, like, oh yeah, you're right. And I'm like, how did you not notice that? Because if it's not an issue for people, it, they don't care. They don't notice. They don't, it, they're used to seeing everyone being all white. So it wasn't weird to them that there was only one non-white person. So, so now I say something. 
make well, people I think that's uncomfortable. Great <laughs> because your voice standing up and, and making it more conscious for other, um, other individuals to notice that too, and try and make a difference. So I applaud you on what you're doing in the community. And I can't help but think as a mom, what you're doing to change the way your kids look at that and, and how that's even going to affect their children's lives. So, so your actions right here are affecting generations to come. So have you seen that change in your children? Not really. Um, well, mostly like my boys, <laughs> they don't even, I'm like, I don't even <laughs> know what I do. They're like, they're just like, whatever. But we do, you know, we do have conversations about why it's okay for people to be different and why a man can love another man. And, you know, we have conversations about like, we, we don't judge people by the color of their skin or by the people they love or the way they live their life. And, and so hopefully in that regard, like I, I want them to, you know, kind of grow up with that open-mindedness and, and to know, you know, recognize like, yeah, women, women have the right to speak up and you need to support like local women. And so I, I think they're seeing that, but yeah. Me. No, I think that's awesome. And kind of what um kind of reiterating what you were saying. It's so interesting, unless it impacts people directly, sometimes they don't, I don't want to say they don't care, but they're not aware or it doesn't hit them as hard as it does if it's directly impacting you. So I think that's great that you're utilizing your platform and your voice to make people more mindful or maybe take, take a step back and realize, Hmm, that something needs to change here. We need to do better. Um, it's interesting and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like when you mention diversity, people are uncomfortable and I don't think diversity should, even the word shouldn't make people uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know, funny you bring that up. So I joined the diversity commission. Um, I, I became official at the end of May, but prior to that, we were having a meeting. And so I wasn't even like, like I hadn't been approved by the, by the mayor yet, but they were like, you know, come to our zoom meeting in May. And I was like, okay, so I can get a feel for what the commission does. And with the pandemic, it was the first time that they had done the zoom platform for a meeting because, you know, obviously prior to that, they were meeting in person once a month. So because it is uh, an open meeting, they're open to the public. When they created the zoom link, they had it, you know, they announced it publicly where the diversity commission is meeting this day, this time open to the public. And we got zoom bombed. We, we had the, in, in, in the middle of our two hour meeting, all of a sudden these random names started popping up and horrible. It was a, a timed planned, well orchestrated. It was about 14 people that came on and just, dropping the N-bomb, had pictures of lynching. There was a, a porno pornographic video that popped up. Um, and they targeted us because our meeting said diversity. That was the word. That was the one word that, that targeted us to, you know, have this Zoom bomb. And that was my first experience with the Diversity Commission. And I was like, holy, what have I gotten into? <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know, I wanted to come in and be like, yeah, it's going to be like empowering women and minorities to like 
step into their power and their voice. And it was like, we have a real battle. We have a real problem. And we know that we have a problem with racism, but that being my first experience with the commission was like, all right, like it's, it's for real. Like, this is not just all rainbows and unicorns. It's kind of scary. Um, it's so yeah, like that I, moment for you was kind of like your call to action. You were, you already knew you wanted to get involved and then experiencing something like that. I mean, just even hearing you describe what you were witnessing and hear and seeing, like, I, I, I don't even have words for ex- what I truly, I'm speechless for once. Yeah. Um, but seriously, I think that was your call to action that I'm not going to deter from this. I'm going to persevere and I'm going to push through this and I'm going to make a difference no matter like, seriously, if people are reacting that way, even more than ever, you're like, I, I need to be here. I need to be involved. Yeah. And the more that I have, um, gotten involved, um, in that diversity realm, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of research about, um, disability and, and I didn't realize how much like disability rights intertwined with the civil rights movement and women's rights, like all of these things kind of happened um, together in the same in the same time period. And so it is even more personal to me because I look at my son and and think about, you know, 40 years ago, like he would have not had certain rights because of his disability. And it it goes along with, you know, what rights women wouldn't have had and what rights are, you know, our black and indigenous people wouldn't have had. And so I'm very passionate about it. And I think it's, you know, people get defensive about it and, and people want to tiptoe around the topic, but it's really like just start researching and doing some history lessons and, and realizing the issue is it's 2020 and, and these things, they were not resolved in 1964, 1960. You know what I mean? The civil rights didn't clean up everything and make our, our country perfect. We still have a lot of, of work and, and, you know, things that we have to dis- are dismantle the system. <laughs> well, I think um, your voice in just sharing these is that biggest step and each step along the way. Um, just personally, you know, when I first was introduced to you um, and listened to your talk and learned of your son being autistic and stuff, um, it was such a perfect timing. And these are the stories I think that you understand when you're up there, you have some people that are coming talk to talk to you right after you're done talking and they have that impact right then. And then there are stories that you may never know about because that impact doesn't come until 24 hours later or two months later, but you've planted a seed. And that's what I think is really important. So I want to tell you, you planted a seed with me. (laughs) So you talked about your son with autism and then less than three hours later, I met this mom who had a family of autistic children and she was talking about how she didn't have any local support and had it not been to listen to you and hear what you're doing in the community, I was able to pass that on. So those little seeds, um, in your words, how you're the, everybody that's listening to you gets the same opportunity to pass that along. The other thing I wanted to share really too, too, um, you 
you've talked about how you put things out in the universe. So I want to hear a little bit more about that too, because there's something else that you impacted me on the universe. So how did you get involved in um, your vision boards and just putting it out there to, to claim what your future is going to hold? Yeah, I started, so with my last job, I had to drive a lot and I just started listening to audiobooks when I would drive and like these things would click in my head and I'd hear these stories. And I, one of them was the universe has your back by Gabrielle Bernstein. Um, and she talks about having a sign, like having your, you know, pick whatever it is, and then you start looking for it. And, you know, I, I remember like my sign is a feather and I would think that, and I swear I see feathers. Like every time I run, I see them in the most random spot, like right when I need them. Right. And it's like, Oh, that's the universe telling me I'm on the right path. But it was this whole idea of when we start thinking about, you know, certain things, we start, we manifest them. We start, we find what we're looking for. And I, um, my first vision board, I think I actually did my first vision board at the end of 2017. And um, it was amazing because I would put something up there and then it would happen. And I would be like, holy shit, like I can't believe I just did that. But it was, you know, making goals about, I, so even up to writing my book, I am like, I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to become a writer. How do you do that? And I had a friend who was an author and he said, um, build credibility as a writer and, and build confidence that you're a decent writer. He's like, so start trying to get published in different places. So one of my goals at the beginning of 2018 was to get published in five places. And I did by March, I got published wow. in five places and it was like, like, Oh my God, I had that on my vision board to get published in five places. And I just did that. And so I would, you know, so then I would take that down and I would put something else up in its place. And it was, you know, putting goals for how many speaking gigs I would get and how, how much I could get paid for my speaking gigs. And I would get there and get there. And it, it like, I, I actually said at one point, I'm kind of scared to put something on my board because <laughs> I know I'm going to make it happen. Like, I know I'm going to manifest it. So yeah. It's, it it's gives so me awful. the goosebumps. Yeah. So what do you have on your vision board right now? <sighs> right now, my vision board kind of mocked me because the year, <laughs> so I was supposed to do my first um, 50 mile race this year. Um, and that is now it's rescheduled for next year, but that was, so I still have it on my vision board. It's still going to happen. It's just not happening this year. Um, my 50 mile, my Ted, my TEDx was on my vision board. So now that's checked. Um, I want to start writing a second book. So the, the second book is on the vision board. Um, travel, there's, I've got like some specific places on my vision board of places I want to travel. So things that are, they're currently in hiatus, but they're still there because yeah. I will make them, I will make them eventually happen. That <laughs> I don't happen. doubt. She will make them happen. <laughs> you will make that happen. I believe that fully. So my little story of the manifestation um, you had put envelopes on everybody's chairs at that event. And I was going through a really rough patch in my life. And so at the end of the event, you said, this has been manifesting. So this is meant for you, or you'll know, you know, these words, <laughs> or, or it's meant for someone else. And when I opened it, I was really disappointed because at first I didn't understand what it meant. And so that same 
day where I met the autistic family, um, this little four-year-old Benjamin, who I had never met before, had autism. He was autistic. He came out of nowhere and came right up to me and he's like, I have to tell you, I have to tell you I had such a good day. And so I was like, well, Benjamin, that's awesome. And he just kept repeating that. Um, I had such a good day. And it wasn't till the next morning when I opened your envelope again and it said, see the good. So that's what I'm saying is that universe is awesome. And listening to you is awesome. And just the sequence of events within 24 hours, my um, outlook immediately changed. And the fact that it was an autistic boy that had to tell me, see the good, don't forget that. So I had to share that with you. So thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. No, I love that. The universe always has an interesting way of showing us what we need bringing people into our lives, showing us the things that we really are lacking in our lives and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I did want to talk with you a little bit about your new workshops that you have coming up that you've got going on. Um, You've got an anti-racism workshop and one on implicit bias training. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I actually created, I, I created my implicit bias workshop first and I started that one last year Um, And I just take that into different organizations, companies, businesses, you you know, Um, but now it's like, people are calling and they're like, we need this. I'm like, yes, you do. You like, you needed it before, but now you really, now you really need it. And so when I do implicit bias, we're talking about your unconscious thoughts, how they happen, how they impact your lives, your, you know, your work, your home, your relationships. And it, so it's it, everything from our, our gender bias to, you know, religion bias, because there's bias in, in pretty much everything. We, we have these biases. Um, the anti-racism is that's really we get kind of nitty gritty on, you know, it, it's one thing to to say, well, you know, I'm not a racist. But but being anti-racist is mean like we're actively working to dismantle racist ideas and the problem with that, and I think of some of the discomfort with that, is that people don't realize how many systems and structures and foundations are systemically racist. And I mean, it's, it's again, just some, some basic history lessons will teach you, but everything from our constitution to um, our, I mean, our sports leagues, our, our organizations, they were fundamentally built to um, benefit white men. And so that's years and years and years of how things have kind of been baked and broiled. And now we're like, oh, oh, okay. We've had some problems here. So anyway, that one's a little bit, a little bit harder for some people to stomach, but, uh, but it's important. It's they're They're both super important topics for us to do some work. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and the importance of having allies. I mean, it can't, we need people that are, even if you're not a person of color, even if you're not a woman, we need all, it needs to, t- it's going to take everybody for us to make the real progress um, that we want to make in our communities and our businesses. So, you know, we, we need our white men to speak up or, you yeah. know, it just, it doesn't matter what race, gender you are. We all need to speak up for one another, I think. Yep. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's something that people ask me all the time. 
um, well, what can we be doing? And what, and I'm like, you know, especially if you are a white cisgender straight man, being an ally is huge, huge, you know, helping the marginalized communities because think about, okay, women's right to vote. Women got the right to vote in 1920. Who did they have to get that right from? Who held the power to give them that right? It was the white men in, in the, in government. So to have the men that will, um, be the allies that's so powerful. And I tell white women, I say some of my, my best um, people that I know have my back and, and give me that boost of confidence whenever I'm a little, when my voice is a little shaky, it's some of my very outspoken white girlfriends. Like they are the ones who are like, we got your back and da, da, da. And I'm like, cool. Like <laughs> I love, I love having my, my allies. So, yeah. So Stacy, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I, we both really appreciate your time, your word, everything that you're doing in the community. Um, for all of our listeners, make sure you check out Stacy's book. Um, and the things we don't talk about it's on Amazon. Um, but also go to her website, see stacyspeak.com. We'll have a link to it in our bio for our podcast, but just make sure you go and support Stacy, show her some love, follow her on her social media platforms. And again, she, she has a plenty more um, workshops and um, motivational speaking um, topics that she covers that is listed on her website. So please make sure that you go check that out. Thank you, Stacey. Thank awesome. you. I appreciate you, ladies. Tina, I felt like that was such a great conversation. Having Stacy on was really inspiring and I learned a lot. Yeah, I did too. Um, just her activity, you know, in the community, um, sharing her voice, encouraging others, putting things out there, tools and, and stuff that will help people share their voice and learn more about um, diversity. Absolutely. And I loved how she talked about her story and just being really vulnerable and your past doesn't define you. Um, I, I really think hopefully our listeners and those who have turned into her TED talk and that will take the time to read her book. I hope it will inspire more people to realize your past doesn't define you and you can do great things and accomplish a lot. Yeah, no, all that's really good. Um, uh, even the diversity of our background, like, um, not, not judging based on what we see, but the things that we can't see either. And, and judging is not the right word, but assuming that we know somebody just based on what we see. And so the diversity of everybody's experiences and the background and, and just, I think giving everybody an opportunity to share their voice in so many ways, being active in their community, um, no matter what their background or color or anything is that, that may, they may feel that limits them. Um, they just add so much to our community and, and to our conversations. No, absolutely. And just the importance of representation, um, whatever that looks like, um, gender, color, um, b backgrounds. I think it's just really important that if we our, our leaders or people in our communities that have real power to make changes, they need to look like the community that they serve. Exactly. That's really um, important that you can see that representation in people that are making the decisions that impact your day-to-day -day lives. And so mm -hmm. I hope our listeners are inspired to get involved and make sure the changes that they are seeing are what they want to see and that their community continues to 
evolve and change in the ways that they are hopeful for, for their futures and their family's futures. Yeah. So I think Stacy is a great guest to show what it takes to dare to rise. And I hope the listeners keep that in mind too, every day. Um, what can we do and to dare to rise and to share and, um, sit at the table or stand at the table, um, for us on the pod, it's all about sitting at the table, (laughs) (laughs) but there's so many different ways that we all can do that. No. And I think, you know, dare to rise is really powerful when you think about it. And that's why when we were deciding, you know, what this platform's going to sound like and look like, um, it really dare to rise just fit perfectly. It really is about inspiring and encouraging people to show up in their, in their lives authentically in their communities powerfully. It's whatever you want to apply that to your day-to-day life, but truly showing up, being your authentic self and using your voice for the good. Yeah. So diversity isn't a scary word. I want all of our listeners to know where they can check out Stacy at her website at cstacyspeak.com. Make sure you follow her on all of her social media platforms that she's on. You also can order her book, The Things That We Don't Talk About on Amazon. Please just make sure that you show her some love. And also, we have a call to action for you guys. Yeah, we encourage all of you guys to get out into your community. Um, show the diversity of what you have to offer and be involved in diversity, uh, find ways to contribute personally and in committees. There's, um, obviously some local ones that Stacy talked about. So we encourage you to get out into your local community and really hope that this conversation has inspired you. It has inspired us for sure. Absolutely. And remember if that's even at the PTA level, a local coalition in your community, or even something more, um, global, just get involved in your neighborhood in your communities. Again, if we want change to happen, action has to happen with that. Yeah, great. So until next month, with us or without us, but always dare to rise. Thank you. Thank you.